The Gospel of St. John, chapter 20. Glory be to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, the gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So how did you spend your Easter afternoon and evening last Sunday? I think in a lot of homes, the schedule for Easter PM looks pretty similar. First you got ham, <laughs> nap, ham sandwiches, television, bed. And it isn't too surprising that the Easter afternoon, nighttime schedule would look that way, especially in Christian homes, put a lot of care, energy into celebrating Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning, it can leave you pretty worn out for the rest of the day. Now in John chapter 20, we hear what Jesus' disciples were up to during the p.m. of the very first Easter day, and their schedule is surprising. Because earlier that day, two of those disciples had seen Jesus' empty tomb for themselves, and later that day, Jesus had already appeared in person to St. Peter. And yet, the evening of the very first Easter, the disciples are hiding out like a team that is so overmatched that they don't even want to come out of the locker room. They are doing this because they are full of fear about what could happen to them. On that first Easter night, the disciples need Jesus to appear to them and drive their fears away and as we're going to see, Jesus' followers today, sometimes we need him to do that for us too. And our risen Savior does appear for his followers then and now to drive away our fears. On that first Easter night, the disciples really do not have any good reason to be afraid. They know that Jesus has come back from the dead. He is alive. 
And they should know from that that Jesus has power over all things, even death itself. And yet, the disciples are afraid that if they go out with the message of Christ's resurrection, the same thing might happen to them as happened to Jesus three days earlier. So, instead of running up and down the streets of Jerusalem, jumping for joy, shouting at the top of their lungs that Christ is risen, they are hiding out like a bunch of cowards. And you can picture them, picture this scene, speaking in whispers, double-checking the locks, and startled at the slightest sound, they could have stayed that way for the rest of their lives. But then, Jesus appears in the middle of his disciples, and at this moment, Jesus has a lot of good reasons that he could scold these friends of his. For running away when he needed them the most, four days earlier. For forgetting how Jesus repeatedly and explicitly predicted his own resurrection, thinking that physical death was somehow going to be the end of the line for the Son of God, and now for hiding out in this locked room like a bunch of cowards when they should be out proclaiming his resurrection. All the reason in the world to read the riot act to his disciples. But that is not what they need right now. They need peace, and they need forgiveness for all of these mistakes that they have made. And that's what Jesus gives them first with his words. He says, peace be with you. In fact, he says it twice. Why does Jesus give them peace? Because he just got done earning it. With his death on the cross, with his resurrection earlier that day, he has earned peace, the forgiveness for all sinners, and that's what his disciples need, and that is what he gives them. And he doesn't stop there. Jesus also invites his disciples to physically touch his wounds. St. Luke tells us that Jesus stays with them long enough to eat a full meal with them. Why does Jesus do these things? Why does he let them touch his flesh, take the time to consume and digest food in front of them? So the disciples will know for sure this is not our imagination. We're not having a vision or seeing a ghost. This is our actual physically resurrected Savior. So also with his, his physical presence, Jesus is calming, driving away their fears. And he does even more than that. He also breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit and tells them that now they have the ability to go out to the world and proclaim to every human being the peace of forgiveness in Christ. So basically, what he is giving them on that night, he is also giving them the right to share with the whole world. Peace in the knowledge the resurrected Savior. So when the disciples are locked up in fear, Jesus comes to drive those fears away with his words, with his physical presence, and with the gift of his Holy Spirit. The disciples are sometimes a little bit slow to learn from Jesus, but you can tell that their souls understand the message that he is delivering to them in three different ways. Our Savior lives he is in control. He is on our side. So we have nothing to be afraid of. And very soon, these disciples who are currently quivering inside of a locked room are going to tear out to the ends of the earth with the message of peace in the forgiven Christ. They will do that even though all of them are going to suffer for it and all but one of them is going to die for it. They will do it anyway because they understand the message that Jesus is giving them on this night. Our Savior lives. We have peace in Him. He lives, so we will live.
even though we die. Now, on that Easter night, the disciples were afraid to go out with the message of Christ's resurrection because they thought they might get arrested or they might get executed. That's what they were afraid of, pretty serious stuff. What are you and I so afraid of when we keep the message of peace of our resurrected Savior locked up inside of ourselves? No one's going to arrest us. Nobody's going to kill us. Really, what is the worst that could happen if you speak that message to a non-Christian friend? You might get a weird look. They might not talk. Are we really so fragile that we cannot suffer these things? See, we have so much less to fear than the disciples did on that first Easter night. But sometimes we show just about as much fear as they did in going out with the message of our resurrected Christ and the peace that he brings. And that means we need Jesus to appear to us also and give us peace and drive away our fears. Jesus is not going to do that by eating a meal with us. But he does it with the meal that he has given us and he does it in the words of scripture. Every time we go to Jesus' altar and see him in his word, he is there to meet us and to proclaim to our hearts, peace be with you. Remember how I died for your sins. Remember how I rose for you. And every time that Jesus appears to us in his word, in his supper, and proclaims his peace, he forgives our sins, he gives that peace to our hearts, and he makes us strong, he makes us bold to go out with the message, following the lead of his first disciples. Now there was one of them who was not there on that first Easter night, and for this disciple, the problem that Jesus needs to solve is not so much fear, it's doubt and really unbelief. And a week later, Jesus appears again to his disciples, this time to drive away doubt. Actually, calling this disciple Doubting Thomas is pretty generous. Because when the other disciples tell him that they have seen Jesus alive, it is not like Thomas says, well, okay, if you say so, but, you know, I have a couple of doubts about this. Listen to what he says. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, I'm sorry, those are not the words of a doubter. Those are the words of a flat-out unbeliever. It isn't until after Thomas gets the empirical evidence that he demands that you can really start to call him Doubting Thomas because even then, even after he gets his proof, he is still doubting. Even then, Jesus has to say to him, do not continue to doubt, but believe. And through the power of Jesus' words, Thomas does finally believe and confesses the resurrected Lord by saying, my Lord and my God. Now, nobody's faith is perfect. And I'm sure that all of us, sometime, to some degree, have our doubts about what happened on Easter morning. But even if your confidence in Christ's resurrection is high, really, any time we doubt any promise that Christ has made us, we are doubting his resurrection at the same time. Because think of the implications of Christ's resurrection on Easter. Christ is risen, it means he is still alive, and he has power over all things, even death itself. So if I doubt it, when he tells me that he will provide what I need for my life, 
Or if I doubt that he is going to protect me from danger or do what is best for me in a time of illness, I am really doubting his resurrection at the same time. Doubt of any of Jesus' promises is also doubt about Easter morning. So we also need Jesus to appear to us and drive away any doubts that we may have. And again, he is not going to do that the way that he did it for St. Thomas. He is actually going to do that for us in a far superior way. There are a lot of different ideas about exactly what Jesus means when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There are a lot of people who seem to think that what Jesus means is that we are more blessed than Thomas because our faith is purer than his. So I don't need any proof. If God tells me he raised his son from the dead, my faith is clean enough and childlike enough that I just believe it and I don't need any proof and la-di-da for me. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying there. I think he's saying we are more blessed than Thomas because our faith is based on something surer than Thomas's was. See, human eyes and hands can be fooled very easily. It's very easy to play tricks on people's eyes and we can be fooled by what we feel and what we touch. But God's word is unbreakable. It never lies, it never deceives. So if your faith is based only on that word of God and not what you see and not what you touch, your faith is based on something more solid, more sure than Thomas's was. And it is in that word of God that Jesus appears to us and says, stop doubting and believe. Not just that I am alive, but that I am alive and I am able to do for you everything that I have promised I will do. That is the whole reason that John wrote this gospel. And it's the whole reason that our God took a tiny sliver of his mind and put it down in writing for us. These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, every time we see Jesus in his word, he drives away our doubts and makes our faith stronger and stronger. He was talking about people like you and me when he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We believe in our risen Savior whom we have not seen with our eyes and we are blessed through that faith. Through that faith, we get the peace, forgiveness, and eternal life that Christ has earned for us. We are richly blessed through our faith in him. So on the first Easter night, when the disciples were locked up in fear, Jesus appeared to them to drive those fears away. And he still appears to his followers today in his word, in his supper, to drive their fears away. A week later, as Thomas was sliding into unbelief, Jesus appeared again to reignite his faith and drive away his doubts. He does the same for his people today, in his word and in his sacrament. Then and now, the risen Savior appears to drive away fears and doubts. Amen.